automatic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Ready to move up. Before we start, I'd like to say something. There's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other, and all points in between. The Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 70s and 80s. And you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it! And now your hosts, Jeremy and Jeff. One half teaspoon for fast, effective relief. It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Hello, welcome to a Friday, and welcome to the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. I think we're up to 22 now, Jeff. And 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 how are you, by the way? This is 22. 22. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I'm in a new place, a new house, creative house. I like it. I funky like house. It. Jeff is holding down the fort cool. in our Rocky Mountain headquarters. And he's moved into a new place. And I, and if you're seeing the video, yeah, it looks pretty cool in the background. <laughs> How like are you? That. I'm good. That that room looks like it will be conducive to artistic muse and influence and inspiration. So we'll be looking forward to good. One work. of my big goals is getting a piano. Nice. I have a piano and I actually sit and tinker on it quite a bit. I'm sure you do. Yeah. I'm not any good. You'd think I'd be good as long as we've had it and I've messed with it. But hey, I can play the white keys pretty well, actually. Just sitting down and you already know how to play in two uh, two keys. That's right. I just do these little Liberace runs, you know. You know, it's fun. So my big thing is having it here for the kids. Yeah, and that's why we got it. I have four daughters, and you can imagine they all took piano lessons. So we had we had just we have just a little spinet piano, and so. It survived all four of my girls. One of my sons started taking piano lessons, but kind of lost interest. One of my okay. big regrets, Jeff, is when I was 10, my mom put me in piano lessons and I hated every minute of it. And finally, after a year of me whining and complaining, she let me quit. And she said, you will regret not sticking with piano. And you know what? She was right. You know, she was right. I know the notes, you know, but to actually sit down and read music and play, but uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the whole left hand, right hand thing. Exactly. I just tinker, but, but a couple of my girls, two of my daughters, especially are are really good. I mean, they play really well. So awesome. Great. So we don't have a whole lot of news other than I did want to, to jump in with our friend, Dave Collinson. If you remember last week, Dave accurately, named or, or, or he knew that one bumper that you had played mm-hmm. the backstory is jeff recorded this cool bumper that i believe you you entitled it hot dog fuzz was <laughs> right, bumper, right? <laughs> but then as we as you played it you said wait I, that sounds like another song and so the the question we threw out was if someone can name this song that jeff subconsciously borrowed from we'd have a prize for you and dave accurately identified that theme song it was from the a-team it was the a-team theme song and uh, he just sent us an email that says thanks for the shout out on the latest episode 
And we told him that we'd send him some little doodad. We asked him, hey, if you're a guitar player, we'll send you something. He said, I am a guitar player wannabe, but time is always limited with work and family. We feel you, right? We hear you. Uh, I would appreciate anything that you guys send me, but it was fun enough hearing my name on your podcast. Yes, truly a music geek. And he sends us his address. He lives in beautiful Oregon. And so we will be... uh, We'll be sending something your way. It's it's going to be kind of like uh, back in the 1800s when you'd order from the catalog and like eight months later, something would arrive. It might be that type of deal, Dave. So just don't, <laughs> but we will get something. You know, when I'm, when I'm done unpacking here, I bet you I could find a little something for him. Hey, well, great, great. Maybe I can find something too. And we'll, we'll yeah. you might get a double, double package, Dave. That just goes to show you that if you email us, Good things will happen. <laughs> you may hear from a Nigerian prince who wants to send a million dollars to your account or something. You who might. knows? Who knows what could happen if you email us? ClassicGuitarRock at mail.com. So that's basically what I wanted to share. One other thing which has nothing to do with music. Jeff, what do you think about all this UFO stuff? The Pentagon is actually posting stuff about UFOs and saying, oh yeah, we've we've been they're kind of like starting to roll out this info about UFOs. And I don't mean the band UFO. I'm talking flying saucers. So any thoughts on that? Was was this a recent, recent thing? Oh, I yeah. Know, just over the last two weeks. Because right? I haven't been paying attention, but I do know in the last year or so, there have been. Yeah, there have been a uh, lot, you know. Confirmation, the- partial confirmations. Joe Rogan had on that. Uh, I don't know if he was a scientist, probably. He's had a few guys on over the last year. Um, Jeremy Corbell's the documentary guy. Bob Lazar has been on there. Yep, Bob Lazar. And, so, yeah, it's interesting. You know, what's there's got to, for me, uh, there's, there's got to be some uh, motivation or exactly ulterior and, motive. And here's the thing. Because why would they, you know, or and, a distraction? It, well, a that's distraction. what I think. It's a little misdirection. Of course, this isn't a conspiracy type show. Usually the only UFOs we talk about are the band UFO, right? But here's my deal. Okay, if there are, in fact, UFOs visiting us, okay, they have been forever. If they wanted to wipe us out, they could have done this all along. And if our governments can't protect us from these UFOs, then why worry about it, right? I mean, there's nothing There's nothing we can do about it as governments or military or whatever. So, So just don't worry about it. You know, if these aliens wanted to destroy us, I think they would have by now. So that's well, my big, my also my big thing is, you know, if I'm at the coffee shop downtown here mm-hmm. in Longmont, Colorado, well, how come no one's seen something coming down the street or very visible? Exactly. Why is it always way up over there and it's really quick and it's really? How come that's the most sort of we've gotten? And here's what. So it's like enough is enough. Like there's so many crazy things happen in the atmosphere. Yeah. Who knows? It's funny too. You said that because I was just posting something on a Facebook group yesterday that they released this footage from 2020. So it's a year old, right? And it's this grainy, crappy, terrible footage. And I'm like, seriously, in 2020, this is the best footage we have. And my comment was, Apparently, anyone chasing UFOs or Bigfoot only uses Super 8 cameras from 1971 because it's like everyone in the world has a phone and the ability to shoot clear video. And yet all we still see is this grainy stuff. It's just kind of silly. CCTV. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, <clears throat> I think we should be spending more time rocking out. And, I uh, agree. Living, that, loving, and uh, just enjoying life. I agree. The tangible having, things. Having barbecues with your neighbors. Turn off all the crap. Let's Learn some diminished chord. There you go. And <laughs> I agree. I agree. So having said that, when we come back, Jeff, one of my all-time favorite albums. I'm really looking forward to, to talking about this album. We're talking, of course, about the debut from The Cars from 1978. We'll break it all down next on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. She shadows me in the mirror. She never leaves on the light. Some... Attention, if you live in Spokane, Washington, and have teeth, this message is for you. Braun and Jarvis Family Dentistry knows teeth. Incisors, bicuspids, canines, molars. No tooth is too big or too small. I was delighted and impressed. So impressed, I bought the company. With Braun and Jarvis, you'll have the sweetest grill in the inland northwest. And let's be honest, nobody wants a funky grill. Braun and Jarvis Family Dentistry. 509-464-2391. That's 509-464-2391. Braun and Jarvis Family Dentistry. Quality dentistry that doesn't suck. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Jeff and Jeremy here. We are breaking down the debut album from The Cars, released in June of 1978. It's a great album. It's a great album. And it's one of those stories, again, where people just got together. They got together. <laughs> and it just seemed like it fit, and it worked well, and they came from different places with different styles, and boop. Yeah, and out on the radio, that was so, a big thing. So, Rick Okasic, is it Okasic or Okasic? I've heard it both ways. I'm used to calling I say him Okasic. I do too. So, I'm going to call him Rick Okasic. If it's Okasic, my apologies. So, Rick Okasic and Ben Orr, they knew each other from way back in the '60s, and I believe around Cleveland, they met each other. They kind of played a little, and this is interesting. Okasic. He was born in like 47, I think, or, or maybe 43, could even be older. I, I was looking at it earlier. My, my point is Rick 44. Okasik, 44. Okay, so Rick Okasik is about 10 years older, not than everyone. I, I think Ben Orr is only a couple years younger than him, but he's eight or 10 years older, not only than most of the other members of the band, but when he broke, right, when they broke in the late 70s, he was a little older than a lot of his contemporaries. And I don't know what that means other than I, I think he just maybe had a different set of influences than, than your typical, you know, rocker starting out in the late seventies. 
I do remember in the early 80s, this is probably around Heartbeat City, you know, definitely sometime between Shake It Up and Heartbeat City, where I was listening to a rock line, an episode of Rockline. Do you remember that show? Uh, it was a call-in show. Uh, the rock stations would play. And the cars were on Rockline. And I know at the time, this was right on the heels of Rick Ocasek being interviewed in Rolling Stone or something. And of course, interviews are sometimes taken out of context or whatever. But basically, Ocasek said he was the cars. Okay. He was responsible for the cars and, and he was the band. And I remember on Rockline, it was, it was kind of awkward. The host asked Rick Ocasek, you know, here, here Ocasek is with, I think, Elliot Easton was there with them and Ben Orr. It might have only been those three that were on the show, but there were other members of the band there. And the interviewer asked Rick Ocasek, well, you're recent, recently quoted as saying that, that you are the cars. Would you like to comment on that? <laughs> and he said, no. And that was it. Never elaborated. No one else in the band said anything. So I always kind of wonder, well, that's kind of weird. And here's the thing. And this is not disparaging about Rick Ocasek. I think he's brilliant. But of all the cool things about the cars, particularly this album, I would put Rick Ocasek as about number four or five, right? There are several things I think are cooler in terms of contributions than Rick Ocasek's on this first album. And I don't mean to diss him. I just think there are so many elements that come together on this album and Rick Ocasek is just one of many elements. So to say that he is the cars, if he in fact said it, that's kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy. Well, if he's writing the songs, right. If he's writing the melodies and that's kind of a huge thing. Cause if you don't have that, but yes, musicality wise. Yeah. There's so many uh, musicality. Equal, equal contributions. Yeah. Sure. And musicality wise, as far as instrumentation, he's probably the least contributes the least. Right. And I don't, again, I'm not dissing him, but, but as I hear this record, two things jump out at me first and foremost, it's Elliot Easton's guitar playing. It's Greg Hawks keyboards. Those are to me, those are the things that, that I really go, wow. And then after that, you other, you got other good things. You know, it took me, I would say I'm a pretty big cars fan. I mean, I'm not, I'm not huge, but it took me a few years to, to be able to tell the difference between Rick Ocasek and Ben Orr on vocals. I, I mean, I got to say though, I, I do like his rhythm uh, style. His, I do. That, that crispy, I do too. Percussive, just real kind of like stabby at, you know, at times. And, and when you think of the one that it really jumps out at me on best friends, girl, right. The first three songs I think are almost very similar in that way. Yes. And that guitar sound, just that rhythm figure at the beginning of beginning of best friends, girl, you hear it in just what I needed. That to me is the quintessential Fender twin. I think they were using twin. I know Elliot Easton was using a twin. It could be a deluxe. It's an old Fender tube amp, just not quite on the verge of breaking up, right? There's just enough hair on it that you're getting that warmth. I just, to me, that's the ultimate clean tone. I love, I love the beginning of Best Friends Girl, just the way that those simple chords yeah. sound so awesome. I tell you, um, 
in, in, in the future, maybe starting now, it'd be fun to, to sort of like check off the songs that you need to use headphones on. Oh yeah. So like, you know, we have like guitar picks, like the songs, right. five guitar picks. Yeah, that's great. I, like I, this one, when I listened to it in my headphones, mm-hmm. it just took, it took on another, it popped up another level as far as like hearing all the layers and the production, the stereo panning, yeah. just the guitar. When you hear it on my little Bluetooth speaker, it's good. But when I hear it in this right side, yeah, it's like, wow. Yeah. Really and interesting. So so here's what we'll do. We'll continue to rate them the songs based on our guitar pick ratings, but maybe we maybe we have a headphone scale, right? Because you know, some albums are better than others in terms of listening to them on headphones. But I agree, there's a lot going on. Even in your car, you really hear it. Well, moving in stereo from the title, you can tell something's going to be going on. Even in your car and my and my boys, they notice if we listen to it, they go, oh, dad, listen how it goes back and forth. I know that's pretty cool, isn't it? Right. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think that would be fun. That would be fun to do. My um, my thought about them in, in this album is uh, it's like it shouldn't work, but it ends up being like perfect. Like it's out of place. Some of the things. Yeah. Yet it works. You know, like whether it's Elliot's country-ish kind of riff exactly right and, and and but yet it's the synthy pop rock so like it shouldn't really work or you wouldn't think it would but it does so it's it like does. out of place but perfect and That's and even idea. a lot of the reviews that you read about it would kind of allude to the fact that they've got these the the punk minimalism in the lyrics kind of quirky lyrics, you know, nuclear boots and drip dry gloves. What the heck is that? You know, but that's what made it fun. You know, let it brush your rock and roll hair. You know, what is all that stuff about? You know, so we got this kind of goofy Rick Ocasek stuff. You got these simple guitar parts. You already mentioned the rockabilly solo from uh, Killer Stuff. It's beautiful and it shouldn't work, but it absolutely does. And here's the problem. Their first album was so good, in my opinion, nothing that came after it matched up. Now, that's not to say they didn't have later stuff, but this is my personal opinion. To me, they got progressively, I know Heartbeat City is the huge album, but in my mind, they, they kind of went downhill. Each album successively got a little less good. You know, not that they were bad. That's my personal opinion. But I definitely would say the first album's their best. And I would say Candy O is their second best. And then you can debate after those two. But your point. Heartbeat City had the, they won like the the video of the video of the year. Drive was on that. You might think. Drive, you might think. Again, a great album. And a huge commercial success. They were all over MTV in the early to mid eighties. Remember that? I remember. Oh yeah. And then 100%. they kind of they kind of called it quits at the top. Uh, they had that greatest hits album that came out like in eighty six or something eighty seven, and and they recorded "Tonight She Comes," which is kind of a catchy little tune, also for that greatest hits package. Uh, but then they just they kind of hung it up for a while. Uh, and and so that was no one no one is really sure they are not a they're not a, a a band that aired you know like the police for instance the police you'd hear about all the arguments and you'd hear the cars not so much right they just kind of folded went away you know Rick Ocasek had done a solo album Ben Orr had done a solo album they both had some top forty solo stuff that had worked. So they wrapped it up in about ten years or so yeah yeah the the, yeah. the main kind of crux exactly. Because 76 is when they formed, 
And basically by 87, I think they had wrapped it up, you know, 87, that the greatest hits album came out in I think 87 and then they were done. Ben Orr died in 2000 of pancreatic cancer. Brutal. You know, what's cool is if you go back and watch, there was a short lived. In fact, they played, I didn't see it, but they played at a car show. There used to be a place here in North Idaho, right across the border from me. Uh, it was called like the river city rod run or something, but it was a big car show that happened every summer. And this guy would always bring kind of older, like I saw lover boy there three times, you know, over the course of three years, heart was there. I think the Steve Miller band was there. So they'd ha- he'd have some good bands in one year. It was this group called big people. Do you remember this? Big people was a group consisting of, Ben Orr, Pat Travers, Derek St. Holmes, Ted Nugent singer, Jeff Carlisi, the guitar player from 38 Special. Yeah. And then uh, I think the guy's name, Liberty DeVito, Billy Joel's drummer. Right. So and you there is a there is a live concert that quality is not great. But if you YouTube big people, there's a live show from the mid 90s. And you and think about it. So they're playing Cars songs. They're playing 38 Special songs. They're playing Ted Nugent songs. They're playing Pat Travers songs. It's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Just to see it. That's awesome. There yeah. wasn't a 38 Special singer there. So Daryl St. Holmes is singing the 38 Special song. He's a great singer, by the way. But it's fun to check out. But Ben Orr was part of that. I read something early, early on with the Cars. You probably read the same thing that that uh okay sick and or they formed a, a csnn style folk rock band i saw that and i can't, called called milkwood milkwood and i can't imagine that i mean that just seems so different from what they they ultimately wound up doing so i thought maybe i could find something here yeah really and, and i think greg hawks played saxophone and some of their music with with milkwood oh yeah i found it awesome of, of course it's on youtube that's funny. What, and is what there, is it on YouTube? Is there actually a song? Yeah. Song. Cool. Okay. So yeah. we're going to. With gonna, you, with me. With you, with me. Does it give a That's, year? What year it is? Here's everyone's homework assignment. Jeff's listening to it in his headphones. Everyone's got to go out and listen to Milkwood on YouTube. What's it, what's it called? What's the song called? Uh, with me, with you. With me, with you. Okay. That's our With homework you, with me. What did I say? With, with, with you, you, with, with me. You. We'll find it. Milkwood. Oh, you know what? It's on Spotify, man. Sweet. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna check oh, that out and, and get some little get some little roots. Another thing that was interesting. Wow. Dave is it Dave Robinson, the drummer? I think that's right. David Robinson. He designed all of their album covers. Even designed an album cover for the first one, mm-hmm. but they they didn't use it. They wound up using it on the inner sleeve, what he had designed, which I think is just a collage of pictures, right? But David Robinson is really kind of responsible for a lot of their their image things. You know, you think of, I always thought Rick Ocasek was the one that would kind of drive that all, but it sounds like the artistic vision in terms of their logos and their visual appeal and all of that was really David Robinson, the drummer which was kind yeah. of surprising. I know that David, after he left the cars, owned a restaurant. He was a, a restaurant owner and, and doing things. So he was kind of a, kind of a hipster, kind of into that, 
into that scene, which was interesting. Again, it comes back to your point, Jeff, that there were all of these elements that when you look at them separately, it doesn't seem like they should work, but they do. Elliot Easton's background. Let me tell you my brush with fame story. Have I told you my brush with fame story with Elliot Easton? Let me hear it again. Okay. So I I probably didn't. Uh, Maybe I did. So back in 1995, uh, I worked for a radio station here in Spokane, Oldies 101.1. And I got to go up to the Bonner County Fairgrounds. And there was a band playing there called Creedence Clearwater Revisited. Now in the 90s, Stu Cook and Doug Clifford, they got together. They, they tried to get Fogarty to reunite. Fogarty wasn't having it. So they just said, we're going to do this on our own. So they started a band called Creedence Clearwater Revisited, going out, doing CCR songs. They found a sound alike for the lead singer. And guess who their guitar player was? Elliot Easton. How about that? And Elliot Easton cut his teeth on this, you know, CC. I mean, he, it was like a clinic. He played note for note, every CCR song. Perfect. You know, he just knew them all. And anyways, the, the point is I met him and I'll cut the guy some slack. Everything I've heard about the guys, he's just a super nice guy. Very nice guy. I might've caught him on the wrong day or whatever, but I can remember not having a really good experience with with Elliot Easton. I won't get into it other than he just kind of, anyways. There's a podcast called uh, No Guitar is Safe with um, Jude somebody. I think he's an editor of Guitar Magazine or Guitar Player. Okay. And he does these amazing podcasts. Mm -hmm. He gets like any guitar player you can name almost, he's got them on. And he had Elliot Easton on, so you should, you should look it up. And check I'll, it I'll out. look it up. And, and I That's remember fair. in a Telecaster forum, I posted a thing about the negative experience I had with Elliot Easton. And everyone came back and said, that really surprised me because he comes into this forum. He's great. He's Bob. And I've seen other interviews. He seems fine. I just might have caught him on a bad day. I just wasn't super impressed. But that's the problem when you meet your idols, right, is you realize they're human. <laughs> uh, so maybe someday I'll, I'll meet him again. I had an even worse experience meeting Peter Noon of Herman's Hermits. That's a whole nother story. But anyways, why don't we get him on the show? Yeah, Elliot. we'll see if we can call Come him on. Barry the Hatchet with these guys. Uh, but anyways, met Elliot Easton as he was playing with this Creedence Clearwater Revisited. It was awesome. Seriously, one of the best shows I've ever seen was at the Bonner County Fairgrounds, Creedence Clearwater Revisited. I was right there on the stage the whole show. So I was literally, you know, five feet from Elliot Easton. It was pretty awesome, actually. Cool, cool, cool. Um, That's awesome. But but that was great. But I'm a huge, huge fan of this album. Roy Thomas Baker, uh, who was a producer for Queen. Some people are critical of the production on this album. I don't know where or why. I think it's brilliant. I think the vocals sound brilliant. I think everything about this album is brilliant. It's, I think so. In 1978, especially. I don't know what you can complain about. So we're going to plow through this really quick, song for song. Uh, If things jump out at you, we got the first song, Good Times Roll. And I don't know what to say. Full of guitar tones. You know, everything from that little, you know, you got the funky, quirky rhythm going on. It's that that percussive, crispy guitar that... You know, when it's in your headphones, it feels like it feels like it's the speakers or, or the amp is like right here. And when you listen close, 
I love this quote. Nuno Betancourt once in an interview was talking about Elliot Easton. And he says, quote, I hate Elliot Easton because he's never played a bad note in his life, <laughs> you know? And, and as you listen to this, some of it, it you got to listen because it's kind of quiet. And he has all kinds of tasty little fills going on in the background and all these subtle little things as far as, so best friends girl is a good example. You know, we've already talked about the rockabilly solo, which I spent my whole adolescence trying to learn how to play that that solo and i've never i can't i never learned how to do it right it's just brilliant but you you hear all these different you got rick okasics we've already kind of talked about that rhythm figure then you got these kind of more overdriven riffs that come in and then you got all these little dwiddlies in the background and then you got the cool synth lines and you got the synth lines that which just is just some moog or something it's like oh, some kind of like it's brilliant. The whole album is brilliant. Good times roll. <clears throat> I gave that five picks. I gave us. it five picks. Okay. Spoiler alert, Jeff. I'll just get this. I gave every song, but one five picks. Is that right? Yeah. Every song, but one, I gave five picks. Yeah. Okay. This one, the, the first three, right? That's a mm-hmm. good times roll. My best friend's girl, just what I needed. That seems to me like the perfect balance of rock oh. synth. Yeah. Pop. Yeah. Whatever, you know? And then the other one's, kind of get a little change a little bit they do change um if you come back bye bye and you're all i've got tonight yeah those are kind of similar in that same i'm grouping those like five songs yeah even though they weren't hits you know uh you're all i've got tonight bye bye love even moving in stereo those get played a lot on classic rock radio a lot of people refer to this album the car's debut album as the car's greatest hits album <laughs> because you know most of their good stuff is not everything they got some other good songs but that's just how solid this album is but good times roll great song my best friend's girl of the hits i don't know i was gonna say my best friend's girl is probably my favorite but but just what i needed is great and i spent hours and hours as a 14 15 year old trying to work out the solo to just what I needed. I just thought it was the coolest solo ever. And I still think it's one of the greatest solos ever. It is. It uh, really is. And, and he's, he is just so tasty works in double stops and all kinds of just cool stuff into his solo. Yeah. And there's something going on in the background, like whether it's like, dun, 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 and he's going, do Yeah. Thinking like, that's not something you might, Type, phrasing wise exactly not, just that wouldn't be the first obvious choice and you're all i've got tonight has this crazy mixolydian solo in it it he plays a it's not a regular major scale solo it's like a it's like a mixolydian missing a note you know i actually saw a lesson where he goes over that because it's just a very unique sounding you know, kind of based on mixolydian, but it's kind of like a, there's, if you could call it like a mixolydian pentatonic, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's a really, really unique little scale and tone he gets uh, in that tune. Just, just a fabulous guitar player. It's, it's awesome. And the, the keyboard sounds, this was pretty cutting edge at the time. I mean, I think, I think Greg Hawks was you know, he was kind of on the leading edge of this. So you got these great sounds that just blend with this more rootsy sound and guitar stuff. It's just, it's like a, a, a magical mix, 
Yeah. Know? And their vocals were fantastic, right? Vocals are fantastic. Especially on like my uh, best friend's girl. I remember yep. there's that, that vocal kind of, it's not an acapella, but it's, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a harmony thing going on in the back. Uh, and, and, and it's like a fifties to me. Exactly. Like sock hop. Totally. Kind of thing. Totally. My best friend's girlfriend. It's like happy, kind of like, oh, I'm going to pick up and, and, my and, date for the prom. You know? And that's what I was trying to, the point I was trying to make when I said that, oh, Kasich's a little older. And so I get the feeling that he's kind of drawing on some of this 50s or doo-wop type stuff for a lot of their sure. a lot of their stuff. Because you, you feel that. And of course, the vocals, that's Roy Thomas Baker. That's kind of his trademark, right? getting that that vocal sound uh but it's great yeah i have i have five picks for good times roll five picks for my best friend's girl five picks for just what i needed so do i ditto you know sometimes you you hear something like a guitar riff and you just know instantly what it is right for me like the um the that synth line i guess it's mostly toward the end just what i needed coming out that one yeah do 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 you know, like you, the, the minute you hear that. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's iconic. Up. And there are so many little, he, his, so many flourishes that we're so used to hearing these songs for so long. When you actually break them down and listen to him, you're like, wow. First of all, who thought of that? Right. Was that his idea? Was it the producer said, try this? They're just, it's magic. It's yeah. magical. So yeah. I'm in touch with your world is the only song I didn't give five stars. I gave this three picks. I was going to give it three, but then I decided to give it four. And here's why the song itself. It's not upbeat. You know, it's kind of a a drag. It's kind of goofy to me. If there were a throwaway song, I'd say this is the throwaway song, but it's not a bad song, but here's what's cool about it. Sonically. There is so much crazy stuff going on. Yeah. The synthy kind of thing. Yeah, all kinds of little swirly sounds. And and to me, this almost seems like an experiment they were doing. And so I give them some grace for the effort. I gave it four stars. But in my mind, I said said it was ambitious. Yeah, it was ambitious. It was ambitious. In my mind, it's the weakest song of the album. And it's got some of the cheesiest keyboard sounds in it also. But it is pretty, there's just bings and boings and all kinds of weird stuff going on in the background so, it's a nice departure from sort of a first a nice, driving kind of like yeah, hook, it's a nice break melodies. it's not a bad song it's just my least favorite on the album then we go into don't you stop which is my least favorite on the album <laughs> really okay i it's funny you say that because on twitter i was talking back and forth with some folks and those two songs i'm in touch with your world and don't you stop are the two that people are least popular songs on the album. What'd you give it? What'd you give? Don't you stop? 3.75. 3.75? 2. 2.75. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. I just have a thing I'm not, uh, with new wave. Uh-huh. Like this song to me has got, it's got a, a, a big new wave yeah. kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And I just, I'm not just never loved, never really enjoyed there's new some, wave stuff. There's, there's some there's, cool stuff in it. Don't get me wrong. Right. As a song for me. Yeah. There's some ripping guitar in this song, actually. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah, I, I gave it five picks. You oh, know, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I'm going too easy on him, maybe. But <laughs> but I I dig it. Now, because Good Times Roll, Best Friends Girl, Just What I Needed. I mean, those have been played so much. You hear so often. 
I would, I have the actual album here in front of me. I, I've, I have three of these on vinyl and I don't, yeah, I don't remember buying it three times, but apparently I've been in record stores. Oh, there's a, let me buy that. And then I forget. I already, yeah, I've got three of these on vinyl and they're all in about the same condition too. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe somebody left, left one at your party. Could be. And what's funny is on the liner notes, I was just noticing on, as I was looking at this, on this particular cop, and this I bought used, you know, I bought a used record store. So someone had apparently was using the uh, lyrics from my best friend's girl as a guide for them to learn the song or something. Cause they've got like, uh, you probably can't oh, cool, see it, but they've got like, they've got like, I'm showing Jeff, you won't see this, but they've got like chords written in there. They've got clap two times here, play this part twice. So someone has put in notes how to play the song. So apparently someone was learning this song. I thought that's kind of funny. Wow. That's a good idea. If you were, uh, if you, if you like Jack, Jack white, you know, if you had your own record press pressing, Oh yeah, man, your, your, your liner notes could have the lyrics with chords Chords and stuff. That's a great idea. But my point was, if I'm just going to put it on the turntable and listen to it now, I go right to side two. That's the, that's the side I, of the two that I don't want to say I like it better. Cause obviously those other songs inside one are, are massive and they're awesome, but just out of sheer repetition, I've heard those so much. I, I generally put on side two and listen to side two and it's a brilliant exercise. You're all I've got tonight. Thoughts on that. You know, throw a phaser on a whole drum mix. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and also I think the guitar on the right has yep. a phaser on it, which is yep. kind of cool. Yeah, it's one of the top. It's like the first three. It's this great chorus, big synth. Yeah, I love uh, this little trill on the guitar. Yeah, tonight. Yeah, it's awesome. Great uh, solo again. I think every song he's doing yeah, something. It's tasty. he. He Elliot Easton just rips throughout this, and I love how it goes right in the whole song. Side two, every song just goes right into the next song. Bye bye love. I think is a great song. Wait, what did you, how did you rate your all I've got tonight? Um, I gave a four and a half for some reason. Do you like that more or less than bye bye love? I gave bye bye love four. Did you, you're tough. I, I gave them both five. I just dig them, you know, bye bye love. They're just so hooky. They're just hooky. And, I love that it's like when I see Bye Bye Love, I think yeah. it's, the song is going to be like, Bye Bye Love, bye, you know, quick. But he's like, Bye, yeah. Bye Love. Bye, love. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that sounds not exciting to people who are songwriters, but yeah, to me, yeah, it wouldn't come. So again, my theory, okay, the song's called Bye Bye Love. I bet you Rick Ocasek was a big Everly Brothers song, uh, fan. Uh, again, kind of lyrically, just in song titles, I mean, even on Candio, there's like a song called Shaboop or Beboop or something weird, you know, that just, just makes me think this is probably something that Rick Ocasek from back in the day, that sensibility is is in the back of his back of his head. But Bye Bye Love, I can't pick a favorite song because it would change from day to day. Today as I was running around this morning and listening to this album one more time, I was really digging all mixed up, which is the very last song, you know, which kind of has that more textural kind of a minor of all the songs on the album. It's the most, the darkest song on the album, but I was like, man, what a brilliant. brilliant Yeah. I like it too. Yeah. 
moving in stereo. This one for me instantly brings me back to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay. Because it's when Bradley, he's in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. I, Judge, I, I, Judge Reinhold. And Phoebe Cates comes out of the pool. And he's watching her. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, this song comes on. Yeah. <laughs> and it probably was the first time I probably heard the song. I've mentioned this before, how I had an art class my in ninth grade. So this is like 1981. And our teacher would had a tur- little turntable. And so people would just bring records in. And as we're working on art, we play records. This was one. This and Candio got played a lot in that art class. So that mm-hmm. was my kind of first exposure around 1981, just a year t- year before Fast Times, right? Year or two. But yeah, and, 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 and I was just hooked from then and just loved this this album moving in stereo is just again it's kind of dark you know so the last two songs moving in stereo all mixed up and i don't want to say they're dark dark but but compared to the rest of the album they're both a little you got some minor stuff going on a a little darker sure a little more synth there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I mean, multiple synth things going on. You know, it's not just a guy playing an organ, right? He's got lots of things going on throughout this album. And he gets uh, writing credit on this. With Okasic is gets writing credit for all the songs uh, by himself, but then moving in stereo is Okasic and Greg Hawks. I gave it five picks. So, and all mixed up, I gave five picks. If I was listening right, there's horn, there's a saxophone solo in I'm in touch with your world. And I think there's a sax solo out at the end of All Mixed Up. And that's Greg Hawks, Greg Hawks keyboards and saxophone. So Greg puts a stamp across this whole album. He's very much part of the the magic of this album. Uh, and as I mentioned, I gave all the songs on this album, five guitar picks, except for I'm in touch with your world, which I gave four guitar picks. What was your overall? You, you're harder. You were, you were much harder than I was on this. You know, the, 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 the rocking and more guitar driven upbeat. I gave you yeah, fives really just in touch with your world. And don't you stop two and a half, two seventy five three. Okay. So you weren't. Bye bye. And uh, moving in stereo and all mixed up. I gave like four. Okay. So you weren't, I mean, you're not as nice as I am, but you weren't super hardcore. On All right. Um, but what did I, I had some, oh, the whole, um, yeah, the, the intro to Bye Bye Love is, is great. Yeah. It's really strong. And then and they bring it back for the ending. Which I like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We do that sometimes in our band, even if it doesn't go that way. How do we get out of this? You know, out of an album, something might fade out. But when yeah. you're playing live, how do you fade out uh, taking care of business? Yeah, exactly. Because it's like taking care of business, and then it just fades out. Yeah. So I'm like, well, let's do something stabby or something. Where we exactly. Can end it, you know? So I like yeah. that they bring back the intro for the end. Yeah, and then it just stops, and then you immediately got the... Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 Yeah, it's... Very cool. Guitar solo in All Mixed Up reminded me very much of um, Chris Buck from R.E.M. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Or Chris Buck took from Elliot. From him, yeah. 
And what's the song? I love the way that Elliot Easton, I'm trying to think, I meant to write this down, but I'll remember it. There's one of the songs where he's got the, you can tell it's just, it's just a Fender amp with the, with the vibrato on just this great vintage tone that he's got going on. I can't remember what the song is. And I love that. There's not, of course it's 1978. So there wasn't as much cheese you could add to your signal back then, but I love the fact that it's pretty straightforward. I was reading an interview that he said this first album, he had a Les Paul, he had a Telecaster and he had a Fender twin. And he had an Ampeg amp. I'm not sure which song he used the Ampegs on, but pretty basic. I think I read somewhere that he used, you know, when the boss, when the orange, the DS1 distortion came out, it was late seventies. I think, I think, I think I read that he used that. So when you hear the really overdrivey parts, that's probably a little orange boss pedal. I'm guessing his delay. He said he used a morally, Remember when Morley would make these, there was like a wah volume, there was a volume echo pedal or a wah echo. He was using one of those Morley pedals and he said it had a little, you know, little disc in it. It wasn't tape echo, but it was just that little disc that you could record a second's worth of whatever and get it some delay with that. Because he said there didn't, there weren't digital delays in pedal form until like the early eighties. So they just weren't available. Yeah. Mid eighties. I don't know. So the the volume uh, wah pedal had something mechanical inside. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, it, it was the volume. I know they make them now. Yeah, so. it was a volume. It was either a, a volume echo or wah echo. The Morley pedal, right? Those Morleys would have a little button you could switch between. If it was the wah volume, you switch between wah or volume, or you could switch between wah and echo or volume and echo. What and you just? But he said the way the way they got the delay is not a instead of a tape it was like a little i guess kind of like a, a like work like a, a cd would work you just had a little disc in there but he said it wasn't he said it wasn't digital so i'm not sure how that how that worked but he, he all he said was it had a little disc in it versus a tape maybe it worked it right now maybe it worked like a record i don't know i don't know oh wow the, the one i'm looking at has got this big box behind the pedal oh and it's a, it's a rotating wah. Oh. I don't know if this is what you're talking I mean, about, but, but this is, is it, crazy. It's a, it's a Morley? Mm-hmm. It's a Morley? Yeah, it, I don't know. Who knows? But that's that's what he... And this isn't like drenched in in delay. You know, I, probably a lot of the delay we hear is just processor, you know, after the fact, as they're going into the mix or whatever. But, but yeah. he had a pretty minimal approach in terms of gear, which I think tends to give you the best results right <laughs> keep it keep it simple you can't really hide behind your effects exactly and, and, and i is, and yeah. i think the strong point of this album was compared to their later albums you know as technology advanced as there were more and more synthesizer options available as there were more and more that didn't necessarily make it better so so that's why i think this album it's their best album do and you I think, think in the 80s they got a little more more poppy Oh, big time. Yeah. Less cheese, more, a little more cheese. Because the a 80s, more, you know, the 80s will do that to you. It, it will do you. Too. And, and it's, it's not just the 80s per se, especially in the 80s, but I think, I think it's, I think it's success too. You start out and you've got, it's about the music and you do this, but then all of a sudden you're successful. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, it would be nice to have a top 10 album and have girls come to our concert, you know, right. And so then they start, 
you know, and again, yeah, but what, what I meant was the, the target, uh, like, it's like, you know, the, the A&E people and the managers, Oh, that's what was selling. That's what was catching oh. on. Yeah. So I think they possibly could have gotten, we talked about this. I'm they sure get, fans I'm, get driven down this road. I'm sure. I'm sure that's that, what's, that's what's the, the, the hot thing that happens. I mean, cause, and, and, and I'm not slamming the album, but, but you look at, you might think, I mean, it doesn't get any poppier than that, right? You might think magic. Oh, it's magic. Yeah. Uh, again, nothing wrong with those songs. They're great pop songs, but they're definitely not, the same level of what we see on this first album in my opinion because so, the 70s ruled exa- exactly yeah totally in my humble opinion yeah i agree i agree well but you're wrong so, if you don't think so that's right so <laughs> give us give us your thoughts just kidding give us your thoughts on the album as a whole if you're if you're ranking this whole album where does it stand in the history of the world what do you think I am not a uh, expert in this sort of synthy pop rock mix thing, but I would think it's one of the quintessential groundbreaking albums for that blend of synth pop rock with killer melodies, fantastic production, vocals, amazing guitar player. You can hear the different uh, styles and genres come together. Yeah. So it's um it's it's a just that alone is is a study if you were I guess a, pro- a producer or you you just were interested in that kind of thing or you had a band with multiple styles, it can be done. And absolutely. Yeah, I'm not a big, like I said, a fan of the synthy thing, but they're so catchy. The melodies are memorable and the lyrics are fun. And it's dan- you know, the, the high energy of songs are danceable. It's got yeah. so many things going on. So we opened this uh, episode talking about aliens. Okay. So, so if you were, if you were going to make a time capsule, you were going to send aliens, <laughs> you're going to send aliens, the essential music of the last hundred years. Would this album need to be in there? <laughs> I guess it depended on how many choices I, or how many, what was my max? I don't know if, okay. If you could, if there were 10 albums, no. Okay. If there were 50 albums. Oh. Yeah. All right. Okay. I think it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty important album. I don't know. Again, if I could only send 10 albums to the aliens, I don't know if it would be this one either, but I think if it were 20, I think so. I mean, I, in my mind of the seventies, it's all opinion, right? But, but I would say of the seventies, this would be on my list of the 10 best albums of the seventies. I don't know. I mean, it's all subjective, but, uh, it's it's a great album. It has never lost its luster for me. You know, I can still listen to it. Other albums, I've gone back over the years and put them on, and I think, man, that doesn't sound anywhere near as good as I used to think it sounded. But this one, not the case. I still listen to it, and every time I listen to it, I'm like, this is such a great, a great album. Awesome. I said it in the beginning, and it's true. I think for every genre, every decade, <laughs> you gotta have a song, you gotta have a melody, you gotta have a hook. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If he if he didn't have that those melodies, the music the musicality would be interesting, I guess, to, to us maybe and sound good. Mm-hmm. But like you said, to sing along 20, 30, 40 years later, you got a song. It's all starts with the songs. Yeah, for sure. You know, like you and me, we play guitar. So I come up with a cool riff, right? Right. Okay. Drummer comes in. Ah, oh, sounds killer. Mm-hmm. Then, then what? what? Yeah, exactly. What are you, what are you gonna do? 
no, I agree. It's, it's the hook. It's the hook. And there's, there's some people have the gift that they can come up with catchy hooks and others don't. I mean, you can find better musicians. You can always find better musicians, but some of the best songs, and we've talked about this, some of the best songs throughout the years are not because of the musicianship. It's to your point. It's because of the song. It's because of the song. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, this is great, Jeff. I was super happy that we could we could talk about this today. It's a great album. If you've not put the needle on this album or put it in the CD, listen to it front to back with headphones. They don't make them like this anymore. This is a really this is a really solid album and and a great album and 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 I really enjoyed it. Me too. Thanks for recommending it. This is this was a Jeremy pick. It was, and it's your turn. So you can, I'm not going to put you on the spot. If you have, if you want to assign me one right now, you can, or you can send me a, an email. Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm more of a Southern rock fan than you. Okay, cool. But, but uh, I've been listening a lot to um, this Blackberry Smoke album. You want to do that one? And let's see if you like it. You can listen to it. Let me know if you like it. It's no, I'll do it. I'm, I'm going to commit right now. Now this is, this is not, really an old album what year is it well this one is um it's called like an arrow okay um it's uh 2016 okay so so what i yeah so you know we talked about what are the newer bands carrying the torch let's do it so blackberry smoke we're going to cover on our next classic album is it a classic album yet probably i don't know we'll see it's got some, yeah, it's, it's like Southern rock, almost country rock. So I don't know. It's different. It'd be different for us, but there's some kick butt guitar riffs. Cool. I'm all for so, it. All right. So that'll be on the next episode. Guys, thanks so much. We're getting more and more folks that are following the podcast, which is wonderful. We appreciate it. Check us out on YouTube. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook, Classic Guitar Rock. Email us, classicguitarrock at mail.com. And we will see you on the next episode, Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. We'll see you. Have a great weekend. Keep rocking. Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast.